Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Okay, good morning. I, uh, we're, we, we're doing something a little different this morning. I've got two burly gentlemen here with me this morning from Real Property Management. So why don't you guys say hi, uh, Nate and Seth. Hey, how do, I, how do I say the name right? Is it Nate Schweers? Schweers. Schweers. Yep, got it. Nate Schweers, who, uh, if I get this right, you're a real estate investment advisor. That's correct. Is that your official title? It is my official title, yes. And then uh, Seth Evans. That one's easier. Really easy. <laughs> and your title? Uh, director of Sales. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. This is exciting. It's, this is gonna, just going to be the most fun you have all week, guys. <laughs> yes, it will. Yes, it will. Uh, so guys, we, we thought we'd do something a little different, really a lot of conversations up in the air right now about investment, real estate. We've got so many agents buying their own investments right now. And then just a whole bunch of clients. We've just been talking about how much of the purchasing pool is actually coming from cash buyers on the side right now, even as uh, first time home buyers are being priced out, mm-hmm. seeing a lot of investment purchases. So we thought it'd be fun to have you guys on. You are the resident experts on investment purchases in the residential space. Okay. Uh, is that, I, we like to think so. We like to think so, but we guess you could be the judge of that. I think this is what you do day in and day out. So it, is. it is. I think the, the topic here is just all around what makes a good real estate investment is, is where I think our agents would get the most bang for the buck. But obviously you guys have got a lot to share as well, just on how you do what you do and anything we can do to learn from that would be super helpful. So welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, can we just start real quick with a teeny bit of, of background? I don't care who goes first, but um, background, a little bit about your role, uh, anything along those lines. Seth, you want to start? Sure. Uh, so uh, I'm not from here uh, originally. Um, my wife is from here in, in Iowa when I say here. Uh, I'm from Mississippi, um, so um, uh, yeah, a lot different than where I grew up, um, but uh, moved to Tennessee and uh, went to school there for music. So, uh, not real estate. Graduated. Like uh, what? What music do you? What do you play? Do you? I don't. I don't really play anymore. But I was a singer, songwriter, guitar, and then kind of any other sort of string instrument that I could kind of pick up and try. Uh, I really enjoyed the bass at the end. It was just fun. like bass guitar or yeah. Bit, wow. Oh yeah, it was fun just to kind of be in the pocket, play with the drummer. It was that was that was some of the most fun I had. I could see you doing that. Yeah, you looked the part. Yep. Like, so you don't play at all anymore? I don't play anymore at all. I actually started doing video production and sold all my like equipment uh, to buy camera gear and stuff and got, got really got deep into that mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyed creating um, you know videos for uh, small businesses, commercials, that kind of stuff. was a commercial drone pilot for a while too. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of films with Warner Brothers. Oprah Winfrey, so just name dropping here. Look at you. Different world altogether now. Um, but on the side, started investing in real estate, my wife and I, and uh, really started um, getting excited about what real estate could do, like kind of change uh, our family tree and, you know, thinking about retirement, all that kind of stuff. So uh, COVID kind of hit and all my work with video kind of dried up and uh, I was kind of left just wondering, okay, what's what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like most people during COVID, they got to spend a lot of time by themselves if you were in a situation like me. And I had a nine-month-old daughter at the time. And so um, I'm listening to all the podcasts about real estate, and it's just, like, really starting to set in. So um, 
wife and I decided we were going to move here uh, back to her home uh, in Iowa. And uh, that's kind of where my journey in uh, professional real estate kind of began. So we moved here in uh, October of 2020. And I started this job in November of 2020. And I got licensed in January of 2021. And just I just I love it. I love what I'm doing. So what do you do? Uh, so I work with investors, um, mostly on the, the buy side, uh, trying to help them analyze real estate um, um, and obviously go out and find those deals that'll cash flow. Um, work with obviously RPM Iowa, uh, property management company, um, but very, very much focused on the acquisition. Sometimes we'll, we'll sell properties and things too with investors, you know, offline, but um, mostly a buyer's agent for, for investors. Love it. Um, you said podcasts about real estate. Can I put you on the spot? What were you listening to? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, I mean, B- bigger pockets. There's most mostly like names. Uh, Ken McElroy. I mean, I guess Dave Ramsey too. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. about real estate, but uh, just kind of dove deep into a lot of that stuff. And then whatever kind of popped up on YouTube back in the day too. Whatever was recommended from my play history. So yeah, there's lots of stuff out there. Once you get in that world, it just tees it up for you, doesn't it? Oh, you just you can just sit. You just sit and enjoy. You got to be careful what little pocket you get into because yeah. next thing you're down a conspiracy theory trail or um no, that's fascinating. So you've been you, you when did you pick up your first re, uh, you said you were doing some real estate investing on the side? Yeah, it was uh, more of a hobby really than anything, but our first deal that my wife and I did was probably the most difficult mm. deal that anybody should do. Uh, we did try to do a burr down in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, got a, got kind of connected with the wrong uh, person, I guess you could say. And uh, we thought it was going to be really wonderful and, you know, refinance out of that deal into, you know, no money down uh, for those that are familiar with what the, the burr model is. Um, but it ended up turning into an absolute nightmare. The work that was being done was atrocious. I walked in and the... Uh, the painter had a one of those ninety nine cent like white cans from you know you know Lowe's or Home Depot spray painting my trim in there. So uh, that's just one example of how bad it was. Just but in over your head for the first one. Completely in over our head, yeah. and the people that we partnered with uh, mm-hmm. did not have our backs at all. So we luckily got out of that mm. um, with a with a skin on our back still. And uh, <laughs> we kind of said we don't. If that's what real estate investing is. We this isn't for us. Mm. Like this is not going to work. And so we kind of got afraid, stepped back for at least two years um, before we kind of came, circled back around and, and tried again. And, and I just couldn't, I couldn't shake it. Like even, even having that experience, I just knew that there was something here. There's probably a better way, um, you know, learned a lot from that, that, that process, but we finally circled back and mm. um, bought another property that worked a lot better, but still kind of walked into it you know, kind of on eggshells, just kind of wondering who's going to take advantage of us in that process. And so like, even now in my role as an advisor, I, I, I you know, I, I can't forget what that was like, mm. you know, cause my wife and I, we just didn't have the knowledge, you know, that we do now. And so when I'm talking with folks that are first time buyers, you know, um, as far as an investment goes, you know, a lot of times it's, it's wives that I'm talking to and I'm hearing the same conversations and concerns that my wife had back then. And so I can kind of help you know, navigate that a little bit better. Uh, and then of course, like I never want to put anybody in a situation like we were in cause we were lucky that we came back. I feel like, cause we could have easily just said, no, this is, mm. this is way too dangerous. Like there's, there's too many things that can go wrong and we could have just walked away altogether. Um, but we didn't. And so we got to jump back in. So anyways, 
long answer, but I, I just want to be the advisor that I thought that person that we were getting, you know, with. Um, I want to be that the, the right advisor for for folks now that I'm working with. Yeah, that's perfect. How about you? Yeah. So <laughs> I've been working at RPM since August of 2020. Uh, grew up here in Ankeny and then uh, left after high school, played baseball in college and got my degree in communication. Where was that? Oakland University, oh. just north of Detroit over in Michigan. Huh. Met my wife there. My wife and I moved back here in August of 2020, and I actually applied for a content creator position at RPM, just with my <laughs> degree in communication and journalism. And Ben Flurry, who's our general manager, called me and said, Nate, I don't think you're the right fit for this position, but I want to hire you. And so I was hired as a property manager, doing inspections, uh, making calls on estimates, things like that, the day-to-day, the day-to-day management side of what we do. And I think we kind of discovered there was an opening for it about eight months into my time at RPM that I was pretty good on the phone, pretty good at, at selling the dream to folks and making sure they were confident in the work that we were doing at RPM. And so I uh, kind of slipped into a business development role. And then from there got licensed at the at the back end of 2021 into 2022. And now I'm on my real estate investment advisor role. I'm glad you touched on that. So you guys are both licensed real estate agents. We are. And the reason you guys are licensed is because... Well, we can help people buy. Yeah. We can help people buy real estate. But your property managers are licensed too, right? They are. And you were licensed as a property manager at first? So I was not. I okay. was not. So I didn't do any any leasing yeah. with RPM. I was you know, in and out of properties, doing inspections, sending estimates over to vendors, things like that. No, I, I bring it up because uh, we've worked in RPM to do things right on the licensing side. And property management is kind of nefarious for... I don't know, working around the rules. Sure. <laughs> There's a lot of property managers doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. I don't think the property management space is nearly as well regulated and policed, even though it's technically under the same jurisdiction as the real estate, you know, the real estate commission. Um, but no, you guys are both licensed and I believe you're both on uh, at least the Des Moines MLS as well, right? Yep. At least RPM is. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, okay, so 50,000 feet, you've both touched on it. Um, so your department, what... You guys do what for a living? We help people buy investment properties here in the Des Moines area and find the right investment property for whatever their goal is. And I think that's one thing. I'm probably diving into the weeds more than 50,000 feet here. Yeah. But uh, everybody has a different definition of what a successful investment property is. And that's what that's what I found. And I think Seth would, would attest to the same thing. And so helping people find the right property for what their goals are. Can you give me an example of how that could differ from one person to the next? Yeah. So, um, you know, some people cash flow is king. Some people want to make as much money on top of their mortgage as they can each month. And that's their definition of a successful investment property. For other folks, they want to pay down that investment and have uh, create create more net worth and, and have an asset that they've paid off in full. And so finding things that are going to appreciate really well, have low vacancy, uh, things that they can get high rent payments just to pay down that principal is more important to them. And so that's, I think Seth will agree, that's the biggest challenge working with folks is first figuring out what what their definition of success is. Yeah, I want to find out how you do that a little bit as well here in a minute. Um, just one more 50,000 foot, because your, your guys' uh, slogan, Mark, slogan the right word? Yeah, yeah. Is to uh, building or cre- creating wealth, is it build or create? Create, create, create wealth, through real, wealth through real estate. So just, um, you already touched on in your personal story, right? But a little bit on that. Uh, explain to anyone that doesn't know about that, what that means to you guys. 
Yeah, I think uh, I have a lot of conversations with folks that are already invested in other areas, um, uh, stocks, mutual funds, um, and so they're 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 most people are, are that we talk to and work with are already pretty um, educated on on in uh, investments. And so it, whenever they make that transition um, to real estate, there's just a lot of questions around what it looks like. And we found that the, the language is much more complicated uh, around real estate, you know, cash flow, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and uh, there's m- many, many more benefits than just cash flow when it comes to real estate, like your uh, principal pay down, um, your appreciation, and then um, like the tax benefits and things too. So mm. the biggest challenge I think for me is just, trying to connect what people already understand about investment with real estate in a way that, that they, they, they get it, that it's simple. Um, but yet not like diluting down what real estate is and how powerful it is too. So, uh, we tried to approach, um, our investments from more of an ROI perspective, including all of those, those pieces, not just the cash flow side. Mm. And then depending on the market, um, the cash flow can kind of change a little bit, right? So like, Again, cash flow is just the money that comes out after all expenses are paid. It goes into your pocket that you can spend. Um, but like things like principal pay down, a tenant paying, you know, a portion of your loan um, and, you know, for you, that, that's also free money, but you can't cash that, right? You can only get that if you sell the property or refinance the property, but it's it's still there, right? So we want to count that as an investment. Um, so again, uh, it's more of a holistic approach that we try. Um, and a lot of times it's, it, it, we kind of lead with education and we first have to understand what they find important first, um, so that we can help, you know, them understand more of the holistic side. Yeah, of I mean, it. it sounds very consultative. Very much. So maybe talk through that process a little bit. So first of all, who, who's your kind of target client? Like who's, who's the typical investor client you're meeting with? We call it personas. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, yeah, on the investment side of things, uh, our, our, um, ideal client, um, or I should say the, the people that come to us the most are the ones who are looking to purchase for retirement. They're not looking to generate a bunch of cash flow. So they're in a, a you know, high paying job and they're just trying to uh, diversify or build a portfolio for retirement. So these are, um, I, don't, I don't want to touch on protected classes or anything, but you're dealing with younger investors, more mature investors. Um, are these individuals, are a lot of your clients new to the real estate space, it sounds like? I mean, I would say it, it could be, you know, older folks, younger folks, uh, men, women, just about anybody. Um, you know, I would see, say even to expand on that from Seth, we get a lot of folks that call in that know they want to invest in real estate. They know they need a property management company because they don't know how to manage the property themselves. Yeah. And then they go, oh, and by the way, I don't have a property yet. I'm looking for a management company, but I don't have a property yet. Can you help with that too? Yeah. And that's a lot of times where we have the ability to step in and and help those folks. So, I mean, I've worked with folks that are in their 20s still and worked with folks that are that are up in their 60s looking to change the way they invest for retirement as well. Yeah. Well, I just know, and that's a good example, you, you guys have set yourself up to be a consultative investment advisory group. And so you do property management, but there's a big difference between property management and being a real estate investment advisor. Speak to that for a second. Yeah, yeah, I can speak to that quick. Um, there's many different ways that you can take advantage of real estate, right? So I think maybe part of RPM's focus, and even because we're associated, part of our focus is more on the buy and hold side of investing. So we're not helping people buy and flip houses, for instance. Um, 
So it's, it's more about purchasing um, you know, what we call executive family properties that will be in high appreciating areas uh, with great tenants um, so that you can hold, you know, 10 years uh, is probably about the average that people are going to hold. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so we, we're kind of specific to that, that sort of niche inside of the investment real estate space. Why'd you say executive? What do you mean by, so buy and hold, I love, um, I'm just trying to like narrow down the ideal target audience, right? You're not looking for flippers, uh, typically. Um, and then when you say executive, what do you mean? Yeah. At RPM, but specifically RPM Iowa, we've created a pretty nice niche of single family executive homes, meaning that, you know, right now our average rents as a, as a company are, are pushing $1,600 a month, meaning mm-hmm. we're focused on three and four bedroom homes in high appreciating areas, things that are going to be uh, low maintenance over time for not only us, but for the homeowner, uh, be attractive to folks that, you know, there's so many new constructions, for example, that are that are going up. It can be attractive rental option to somebody that's building their forever home. And maybe they're looking for something that resembles their forever home hmm. uh, for the for the year it's going to take them to build that. And so when we're talking about executive, we're talking about three and four beds. Like I said, things, you know, sixteen to eighteen hundred dollars and up. You know, we've rented things as high as forty five hundred dollars a month. Why did is that the focus? I, I think from the property management side, we can provide um, a much better service um, to to our owners. Um, and at a, at a price on the, on the management side, that's much more competitive. So we're a flat fee, um, uh, have a flat fee model, uh, of 149 a month for a single property. Um, and then if you're, again, if depending on what the rent is, if, if you're renting it for 2,200 bucks a month, you know, that can be six and 7% of management versus, you know, other folks will be charging or from eight to 10 plus a higher leasing fee. So, so for the client, it's easier to, to have a good margin on a, uh, higher rent well i think two sides one it's yes uh it's it's better for the owner right but um also it's easier for us as a management company to be able to kind of scale Mm -hmm. um, with those types of those properties and tenants because they tend to be in better condition Uh, tenants seem to take care of them a little bit more so it just kind of works out all around a lot better well speaking as a guy that uh, uh i mean joe and i have owned a lot of real estate over the years but our portfolio for a while we had like 30 or 40 I think we were one of the leading slumlords in Des Moines. <laughs> That's what I've heard. <laughs> and one by one, we just sold them all off and cleaned them up and picked real estate that we were proud of, that we, um, something that we, we would live in, right? Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot of our agents actually have a similar approach to that. So you deal with that a lot where a lot of your clientele, just because of how you're putting yourself out there, would share that sentiment. I, I want to own real estate that I'm proud to own. And yes, I'll let Nate answer this in a second, but, but I think we have to turn down more opportunities that are not in that sort of executive space than, than yeah. are. So we, we want to be very selective with that uh, as well. Um, but Nate's the one that t- kind of answers those, those calls mostly too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think you put it well, Dylan, we have a really high standard of what we're willing to bring on for, for management uh, because at the end of the day, we are selling a service that requires a a high level property to be able to operate at a at a high level, and and we help owners understand that um, you know we are big on preventative maintenance, so we're not going to allow deferred maintenance in our properties. Um, it it creates more bills for you and creates more work for our service department. Um, looking for things that are going to uh, 
not hold a lot of vacancy. So I always tell folks that, you know, something that rents for a thousand dollars a month for, for 12 months of the year, uh, is brings in the same amount of rent as something that rents for $1,200 a month for 10 months of the year. Mm. And so finding things that are priced appropriately in desirable areas to be able to continue to, I mean, the reality is, is that when we do well, our owners are doing well as a company. Um, it means that, that people are in the property paying rent on time. And that requires that, that executive level property for, you know, for the business that we've designed. That's great. So, uh, try, try to get practical here then. So I'm a investor, maybe I've dabbled or maybe I'm a first timer, but I reach out to you guys and I'm looking to pick up some investment properties. Talk me through that consultative process and then how that journey goes. And then later I want to get to how you're actually selecting properties and what you're looking for. Yeah. So what's the process? I meet with you. Yeah. I mean, I would say more than likely the first person that you're going to hear from is going to be myself. Okay. I'm going to pick up the phone and, and give you a call and, and figure out what your goals are, what you're looking for. Uh, more calls I make than not, somebody already has a property. Somebody already has a property. They're looking for management services. And then the other side of that is that folks are like, you know, I, I want to invest in real estate, as I mentioned, but I need help finding a property. Building a portfolio and yep. Yep, yep. And then either myself or Seth from there probably schedules a 15 to 30 minute uh, discovery meeting with you, whether that's via Google Meet. If you're here in town, we'll meet you at, at Smoky Row across the street or something like that and just learn more about you because I think, you know, the right fit in real estate also applies to, to the owner as well. So we're looking for people that are the right fit uh, with us and um, people that are looking to do those things like preventative maintenance, looking mm -hmm. to find the right property. And so we'll spend we'll spend 30 minutes getting to know each other, getting to know each other, finding out more about what your history is as an investor, whether that's in real estate or something different and and what you're looking to get out of this process. Yeah, um, I, I love it when people are uh, excited about real estate and they have not necessarily done a ton of research themselves other than they're probably listening to podcasts, bigger pockets, that kind of stuff. And uh, they call obviously the management company because that's the kind of place they start. And then I'm able to go out and have a conversation with them and kind of talk through uh, in the early stages of their process, kind of what the options are. Um, you know, a lot of times those people are not ready to buy, right? They're, they're, they're still kind of shopping around. Um, but I love, I love going out there and kind of being that advisor for them to kind of point them in some directions that may, may se make sense. And then of course, follow up with that person over time. And it could take, you know, a couple of years for some people. Again, my own journey with my wife, like I was ready to go with real estate and she was the one that was saying, Hey, I have questions about this. I'm concerned. So I totally get that our process or investing in real estate should for most people take a while. And then once you get through that first buy, then it seems to speed up really quickly. I mean, our, our, our buyers will uh, come back and, and, you know, buy one or two at the same time. Once they get mm. the, the process down and get excited about what, what, you know, what we can help them with, they're ready to come back and do it again. So, well, you sound uh, the way RPMs configured and your mission and your particularity around who you do and don't serve is very similar to C21. Like we, as a, as a team of agents, we're, we're not about doing more and more. We're about finding A plus clients and building a repeat and referral st structure. And uh, we always say not everyone gets to work here. We're not looking for more and more. We're looking for better. Um, and so I, I love the selection. I love it's it's like just know who you are and then build a remarkable experience for the specific target audience that you're you're chasing. So it sounds like you guys 
are a little picky or, or selective because you know where you provide the most value. Well, and I think it's important to note as well, just, you know, working inside of a property management company is that, you know, us vetting clients turns into a bit of a job interview for the work that the property managers and leasing agents and service department mm-hmm. has to do later. And so we're kind of the first line of defense to make sure that we're finding people that, that fit what we like to do at, our, at RPM. Because the reality mm-hmm. is if, if somebody doesn't quite fit that mold, Seth and I aren't necessarily the, the person that, that has to deal with that person that doesn't fit the mold on a day-to-day basis. It's a leasing agent. It's somebody in our service department. Mm-hmm. It's a head of a property management team. And so really what we're trying to do on the front end is find, you know, find people that are excited about real estate, but are also looking for a property management company that they can sit back and trust and allow us to do an A-plus job for them. Okay, so jump jump into the property selection part, which is maybe where our agents can gain the most value. You guys are the experts. You do this with a lot of clients. Um, help me understand, especially even in this environment, because I'm guessing a lot of your sales even right now are not listed. These are properties that other investors are offloading or stuff that's off market, but maybe maybe two separate questions, right? What are we looking for in a property? You've touched on a lot of stuff here, cash flow, vacancy rates, stuff like that. Can you walk through those carefully and just help us understand what makes a good real estate investment? So it depends on what the buyer wants and what they value, right? So let's assume that this this buyer um, just wants a turnkey product. They don't have to put any money into it, right? So um, the, you know, they've got to be able to have the 20% down payment for an investment product. Uh, so that could determine what, what kind of purchase price, right? What kind of cash they have set aside. Um, but we're going to be looking for three beds or four beds. Four beds um, is is more preferred. We can we can get a little more rent for that. In, is that uh, what that comes down to? Three to four because of the the rent? Yeah, and it just depends on the purchase price as well, right? Uh, but where market is, if we're looking on the MLS, right? Um, typically, the four bed is going to allow us to pay market price and still be able to at least break even from a cash flow perspective. Okay. Um, you know, I think cash flow wise, uh, 100 to $200 a month right now with where interest rates are, um, is pretty reasonable. We can find that in this, in this market. Um, and they're going to be looking for properties again, that are, that are probably have finished basements if they're smaller, like older fifties ranches, you know, you got to fit that fourth, maybe third and fourth bedroom in the basement. Um, Two stories, uh, you know, on the new construction side, let's just say, um, there'll be unfinished basements uh, with a two-story, but still want four beds. So that's kind of the place that we would we would we would uh, kind of focus for folks. The new construction is actually interesting, um, just the way uh, taxes are kind of structured here in Iowa, where you're not paying uh, your taxes till the next year. There's so, a benefit to buying new construction. Yeah, it's, it helps your cash flow on the front end. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's not free money necessarily. You'll be responsible for that at some point. It's when just you deferred, sell it. right? It's just deferred, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So that's that's been interesting. And again, you can go out and buy however many new constructions that you want, right? So if you've got someone that's got you know quite a bit of money, they just need to put into real estate um, and they want that, that turnkey product, new construction is where I kind of point them, right? So we can go say, hey, I want four of these floor plans, Mr. Builder. And we put the offer in and we don't have to like spend all this time trying to find stuff out in the marketplace. So it has its own kind of unique advantage on the new construction side. And it's not- You're doing a lot of that right now? Uh, Not as much today. We we have been, we've bought a lot. Actually in the last three years, we've bought a lot of new construction, but just where prices are, they're going so fast with with building costs. Rents are not- 
going as quickly. So it, it just makes it more difficult. But every once in a while, we'll have someone that wants to buy the new construction, and we'll, we'll help them with that too. Okay. So you've touched on a lot there. Um, the three to four beds is about rentability maybe, but also rent uh, ceiling, right? You can just yeah. generate more cash. Yep. You said you're looking for 100 to 200 bucks a month of cash flow. Talk more about that. I would say uh, as a, it's like more of a metric than necessarily like uh, what we're looking for. Um, again, some properties, and again, depends on the buyer, um, don't care about cash flow. In fact, they, they would prefer not to have any cash flow. Because um, so much of that's a function of how much they finance, right? <laughs> finance, yes. If it's a 30-year versus a 20 or 15-year. Okay. Um, and again, we do analysis based on all these different factors to kind of see what is the overall ROI, you know, for instance, a 30-year versus a 15-year um, mortgage product, like how much are you saving during that time and interest, you know, definitely factors into your ROI. So it's, it's, it's difficult to say this is how it is. It's just very much what is important, and let's try and figure out a way to build that for that, that particular uh, investor. Everyone's different. Yes. And I'd, say, I'd say a nuance to, that, to the cash flow conversation, uh, especially with folks that are running their own uh, financial performance as well, is what are you including to get to that cash flow number? Too many people just take their rent payments, payment minus their projected mortgage payment, and they say, well, this is my cash flow yeah. number. Are you building in a maintenance allotment? Are you building in an HOA fee if you're in, in a neighborhood with an HOA fee? Are you building in, uh, are you accounting for appreciation in your property taxes or uh, yeah. appreciation in your overall costs? And so those are all things that we try to do when we run performas to give people an accurate look at at what their return on investment is going to be. So you guys have some little proprietary tools that you use to do that kind of analysis? We do. Sure. Those are top secret, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and we'll get to how you guys can help our agents uh, by providing that as a, an add-on service when they're even serving their clients. But um, you see people overlooking some of those things, it sounds like. Absolutely, absolutely. Someone will come to us and say, you know, I'm a little confused on how you got to $200 a month in cash flow on this property. I was running my numbers and mm. I got to $400 a month. What am I missing here? And it's like, well, you might be missing a maintenance allotment. You know, this, this property, maybe it has a 15 year old roof. So at some point during this timeline of investment, yeah. we're probably going to need to replace the roof. Have you built in that cost and things like that? And so we're a little bit more conservative on the amount of costs we build into our performa. And I would say the reason being is that so we can feel very confident in recommending the property to an investor. Because I think that's another reality is that there is uh, there's a responsibility to the consultation that we do. There's a responsibility to look at a property or an investment from all angles to make sure that we can stand behind the recommendation that we make. So I want to try to get all those angles down, Pat. So what I heard at the, at the beginning was it's, it's, it's consultative. It's different for everyone. It depends on what their ultimate goals are. But we've got the price of the property. You've got the cash flow that you can generate from, because, you know, those cheaper properties that Joe and I bought early on, they cash flowed really, really well until we dealt with absolutely horrific tenants and tons of maintenance issues. That was just a constant nightmare and tons of turnover. So they ended up being bad investments, even though the cash flow was high. So I've got the price, the cash flow. I've got appreciation is what you've brought up a bunch. And that, that's one worth touching on a little bit because... Um, well, I, I know I, I own a piece of real estate that cash flows kind of well, um, uh, that I own free and clear. Well, so it cash flows great because of that. 
But even if I had it financed, it'd do fine. But it is not appreciated at all in 10 years. So you guys are taking that into account as you're trying to isolate options. Uh, tell me more about that. How do you do it? Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's all about where the, the property is located for appreciation, right? And I don't know where this property that you're talking about specifically is. But in places like Ankeny, where we are right now, uh, there's no reason why a property shouldn't be appreciating mm. in between 3 and 5% on average over the last 10 years, let's just say. So a lot of investors don't like to include appreciation because they've, what I've, this is my assumption here, but they they negate it because it's speculative. Mm. Uh, and a lot of that time comes from what they're listening to on bigger pockets or whatever the, you know, the, the guru real estate person is, uh, it's talking in their ear, or they've had an experience where they've bought properties in areas with high cash flow, but no appreciation value. So they don't see appreciation in these other investments that they've bought. And that's why I say earlier, it's like I enjoy c catching people in the beginning of their phase versus after they've already kind of gone down a path and have an experience. It's hard to tell people or get people out of that mindset of like, well, I just don't count appreciation. But if you don't, you miss it. You, you're missing a big piece of what your returns could be depending on what you're buying and where you're buying it. So I think there's kind of three, if I can jump in here. There's Perfect. Three sort of focuses that I've found that people are looking at when they're like trying to analyze properties. Uh, they either just want turnkey, right? They just want turnkey property that we already talked about. Um, they want cash flow. So like they really need a, a certain cash on cash return or, you know, a certain cash in their pocket every month. Um, or they're really into value add, right? They want to generate some value, um, buy the property low, fix it up, put, you know, 15, mm. 20 grand into it. And then it reappraises and they sell it or whatever for a lot more, right? And so there's no reason why you can't have all of those things kind of in deals. But that's if I were to sort of you know, isolate yeah. what's important. Those are kind of the three things. Um, and so when we run our analysis, right, we've got uh, a document that we call four ways to win. And there's like four different pieces to that, right? I mentioned earlier, one is cash flow, One is the recapture or principal pay down. One is passive appreciation. And the, the last one is active appreciation. And so we, we put the property into um, this, this tool and it kind of gives us a visualization of where this uh, property kind of fits as far as a strategy. And it's got a little graph and everything too. So it may be a property that has uh, little to no cash flow, but you can make 20 grand, yeah. right, in active appreciation just by doing the deal. And so you can, it really helps people, investors see, okay, well, there's this is still worth considering, but maybe it's a strategy or a focus that maybe I'm not considering right now because I'm only looking at cash flow. So a lot of times, you know, my role is to try and get people off the cash flow thing. Right. And start seeing, OK, there is so much more here. And again, that didn't even talk about the tax benefit, you know, in those four ways to win. Do, do the four things one more time, just a little slower with a, a brief explanation on each, because that was really good. Sure. So uh, the first one is cash flow. So, you know, again, um, money that goes in your pocket uh, after all expenses are paid. Uh, your your principal recapture or principal pay down. So again, that's what, 30 percent or so of a mortgage during the first year or two that goes towards the equity. Uh, not just the interest. Uh, that dep again depends on your 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 term, interest rate, that kind of stuff. Um, the third one is passive appreciation. So you know, three to five percent is what we're seeing in the areas that we're recommending. Um, again, last year a lot of those places were ten to fifteen yeah. percent. So again, that's an average. Um, and then the last one is active appreciation, or some people would call like um, they call it wedge deals. It's just like what kind of equity can you sort of uh, generate by buying a $200,000 house for $150,000. Buying smart, would doing some work on a property yep. count as active? 
Absolutely. And again, you, people hear this all the time, but you know, you, you make your money when you buy, right? And that they're talking to like the active appreciation side of things. That's super helpful. Um, and, and you actually are actively assessing each property across those four criterion. Yeah. And it doesn't even take me to have to put that into a analysis to know like this one's going to be great for, you know, in my head, I feel you can eyeball that. But when I, yeah, when I'm presenting it, it's really helpful for new folks to see, okay, this is a really good deal. It's just not going to cash flow a lot. So maybe it changes how you want to hold the property, right? Cause like, again, you buy the property, you put 10, 15 grand into it. You can refinance mm-hmm. that, pull cash out and then go buy another property with yeah. that too. So there's just so many exciting things you can do. So do you do you see a overemphasis on cash flow then? For sure. For sure. Which I get it. Like it's a it's a business, right? Businesses are in, in, intended to create cash flow, right? Um, but again, in this market, mm. it's very difficult uh, to find cash flowing properties. Um, it's just there's not there's not a lot there's not a lot of inventory. Yeah, but if I'm not cash flowing on something that I bought last year. But I gained, I mean, you said you said 10. We're seeing, I mean, in the teens in terms of appreciation in the last year. You've done really, really well in the last two years on any real estate you've been sitting on. Yes. And if you're, again, you're for, if, if you are one of those investors that throws out appreciation, you wouldn't even know that you You're just out. not looking at the whole picture. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's super helpful. Um, what about property classes? So everything we're talking about right now is principally residential, single family. I'm guessing you guys do a decent amount of multifamily duplexes. I mean, I remember early on, one of the first things I learned was, you know, buy the duplex, fourplex if you can. But look, early on, uh, buy a duplex, live in one side if you can, right? House hack. hundred uh, percent. And, uh, and I know a lot of people early on that did that. And so, yeah, maybe um, multifamily, but also are you touching any commercial stuff, anything else? Yeah, we do manage some some commercial stuff as well as some multifamily. Our biggest multifamily uh, asset that we have under management is a uh, townhome association that is up on the northwest side of town here in Ankeny mm-hmm. at 40, 48 buildings, so 84 units. Is I'm that doing, one I'm owner? I'm not doing math. Yeah, one owner. One owner there, or one uh, LLC, I should say, a uh, couple owners inside of that inside of that LLC. Your client is an LLC, and did you guys help them acquire that, or we did not? We okay. did not. So that's uh, the other part of what I do is is selling the dream on the management side of Got things it. on that one. And I didn't sell that specific one, but but that would have followed that same process. Already purchased, already had a plan for it. Need the management company. Perfect. So we do multifamily when it comes to that and commercial. I think the biggest thing with those two is that we're looking for class A, class B. Uh, type of properties there. So things that are going to appreciate well, things that uh, don't have a ton of maintenance issues uh, lingering right up front that are apparent mm-hmm. for you to see. Uh, and and the owner makes a big difference as well when it comes to multifamily and commercial, I would say. So owners that uh, have a trust in RPM, it's a lot easy to transition from single family to multifamily with somebody that's had single family properties with RPM under management. They've built an understanding of the way we go about things, what we're looking for in that property. And so we can help them scale up it for lack of a better um, term from single family to that multifamily. Is scaling up a, a big part of the plan then? I mean, starting with single families and maybe liquidating or refinancing those in order to scale properties up. I know that that was, uh, it was sort of the game plan back in the day. And I don't know that that's a big focus for me as an investor. I'm kind of interested in sitting on what you guys call executive properties that I'm proud to own. 
Um, so there's two questions. One is, is scaling up the game plan? And then what about in this environment, refinancing those cash out in order to roll, you know, in a, even a 5% interest environment? Are we allowing uh, a lot of equity to sit in these properties or are most clients trying to liberate that equity to go and acquire more? It's a lot of questions there, but. I mean, I would say to answer to answer the first one about if if that's the game plan, I think the I think the game plan is different for everybody. But yeah. when we talk about you know, I've built my single family portfolio. I'm happy about it. It's sitting there doing its thing. But what's next? That feels like the natural progression is into multifamily. Yeah. But it I think it differs person to person because the natural progression progression for you as an investor. Um, maybe just to sit on my single family stuff and continue to see the cash flow, see the return and and be really happy about what that's doing or maybe look to acquire more single family uh, down the line. And so I think I think it comes down to your like, preference again, as an owner. Who you're talking to, right? Yeah. But but it feels like a natural progression if you're looking for if you're looking for more and more to to go to that multifamily once you feel like you've tackled single family for lack of a better word. This is called the more than more podcast. I know, I know. we're not supposed to always want more, but. Exactly. I do know that that is uh, one way to move your money up to higher and higher returns is to scale your properties up. And uh, I presume managing one 16 plex is a little bit easier than managing 16 single family units around town. Maybe not. What do you think? Probably, probably depends on what it is. I know I keep saying I, I'm so vague with my answer. I'm so vague with my answer. But if, um, I, I mean, generally speaking, it's easier to manage um, a number of units that share the same parking lot or share the same uh, ownership group or share mm -hmm. the same, you know, building, building all together. That as a general theme, it is easier to do that. Yeah, I'd say uh, as far as scaling up, uh, yes, that's if you stay on the road, keep going down the path, that's where everyone's going to end up. Right. So it's just how long are you going to sort of walk that path? And you may stop at some point and go, I'm very happy and content where I'm at with my, you know, for your, your example, single family properties. I don't need to go any mm. further down this way. Um, but if you talk, you know, if you look at people like Grant Cardone, right, who doesn't even touch single family, it's all, you know, 2000 doors or more. Um, There's a lot of zeros involved there. It's a lot of zeros, but he's way down the path. But uh -huh. if, you, if you hear his story, like he started with, with single family or, you know, mm. duplex or that kind of stuff. So um, it's not necessarily the gateway drug, but uh, single family is kind of the thing that you start with for most people. It's the most, you know, available. And then depending on how far you, you want to go, absolutely. I think there's more money to be made in multifamily. You also like got to have an appetite for risk. You, you've got to become, you know, uh, I think a professional in the space. Yeah. Uh, you got to have the right team in place. Um and uh, you got to understand that game. That's a totally different type of investment yep. game than than it is in the, the the minor leagues. Well, I think you're dead on though. It's all about who you're talking to and where they're at. I, I I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate broker. We have multiple real estate businesses. My appetite pretty much extends as far as single family and small multifamily. I have no desire to have super complex investments with lots of zeros. I'd rather own a bunch of really good stuff that I know mm -hmm. has great appreciation, cash flows decently. Mm -hmm. But I know as an asset that sitting on it in time, there's no way I'm going to lose. Yeah. Invest in what you know, I yeah. think, right? Uh, and so that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I was curious about, um, we talk about cap rates a lot on the residential side here in terms of assessment of properties. Um, do you guys use cap rates or do you have different metrics that you're looking at for rents? 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't recommend cap rates for single family or even like, um, you know, um, two to four units. Cap rate is really one more for like a ca- only cash only deals you would use a cap rate for. Uh, and then it's, it is the way that you would analyze, you know, major multifamily. It's all about cap rates, right? That's how they assess the value based on what the cap rate is, you know, today. So that's again, different game, right? But in the single family space, I think the numbers, if I was going to focus on one, is more about cash on cash. Uh, that's probably the one that makes the most sense. And of course, you know, uh, I recommend not paying cash for properties, leveraging the property. That, that makes a big difference in the, the the power of what real estate is. So, Even at 5% interest rates, because that's still oh, yeah. historically ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, if I can put 20% down on a $200,000 property and I say I had $200,000, you know, worth of money, uh, you know, I, I, it's like having more lines in the water, right? I can bu- go buy, f- you know, four or five properties. Especially uh, when the tenant is the one paying down the principal for you every month. It starts to exponentially, yeah, my returns start to go up quite a bit versus mm-hmm. just putting that one in. And again, I have more doors too. So if, you know, if I have one property, it's all cash and my one property, you know, is vacant, then 100% of my real estate is, is vacant. Whereas four doors yeah. and one is out, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well still. Um. Internal sales, I'm curious about. Our realtors are dealing with a lot of this right now where there's just no inventory. A lot of our sales are people we know who are thinking of selling and we're playing matchmaker. Um, is there some matchmaker going on in your world right now with investors? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got folks that uh, are always um, looking to buy. We've got folks that are going to be buying for the first time, but then we have folks that are part of our management circle, I would call it, that have expressed the desire to continue to purchase real estate to Mm -hmm. Seth and I. And they're like, when you see something that might make sense for what my goals are, let me know and put it in front of me. And so that's kind of our process. Just about any time an owner of ours is like, you know, maybe I think I've hit my timeline on this investment. It's time to exit this. The first thing we'll do is run a, run an analysis to see if it fits anybody else's goals inside of our portfolio to see if we can, you know, not only keep that in-house and help serve a client that we're trying to serve, but also continue to manage the property as well. Make it a very seamless transition for a tenant that might still be in there. Yeah. We've gotten pretty creative too on, uh, in this process, you know, just trying to, to, you know, find, find inventory. So, you know, for us, it's not necessarily about the commission, you know, that we're generating where it's really about getting our clients into properties so they can create that wealth over time. So, uh, we love partnering with agents, you know, to, to try and, you know, get offline deals. So we're not competing with, you know, six to 10 other offers. Right. So, uh, and yeah. even then you probably are. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, it's been pretty crazy. So that's a perfect transition. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap up there. Um, you guys have, a, a s- several formalized programs that work well with realtors. Just kind of help me understand, I'm, I'm an agent because we have a lot of agents buying themselves. I presume if I'm buying myself as an investor, you guys might be able to be of some help. But also if I've got a client, a buyer client, either looking to get into the investment side or maybe I've got a small investment portfolio, but I really want to, I was going to say scale up, but I, I really want to um, increase my profitability, my margin, perhaps improve my portfolio's performance. Um, tell me a little bit how our team can work with you guys. Yeah, I think, I think the first thing that we can do, and, and I do this with a lot of agents on a day-to-day basis, is is accept referrals and, and vet those owners that maybe they've worked with in the past that, that need a new management company or need a management company for the first time. So something really cool that we do is that 
you know, we'll give an agent a thousand dollars per single family door that they refer over to RPM Iowa. And so if you've got a client that has built a small investment portfolio of 10 to 15 single family doors and those 10 to 15 doors fit what we're trying to do, I think that's an important piece to that. It needs to fit uh, what we're trying to do at RPM and fit uh, the type of property we're looking for. But, you know, we'll pay out ten to $15,000 for, for those referrals. Um, to, to, come, to come on under management or? To come on under management. Okay. So it can be as simple as, uh, you know, my, my investor Joe is currently working with management company A and wants a change. He's got 15 single family rental properties. I'd like to refer him to RPM Iowa. If we successfully bring that on and lease those properties and and get him onboarded, get investor A onboarded, you know, we'll pay out that referral a thousand dollars per single family door. Okay, perfect. And then uh, you're now working with my in my client as a property management company. Uh, they want to buy more properties or they want to sell down the line. How does that work? So we have a program called our referral return program. So we never want to get in a situation because again. Nate and I are licensed. We don't want anyone to ever feel like they're going to refer their client over to us and then we're going to then work with them moving forward. That's that's not what we want. Um, we want to be able to partner with agents. So anyone that gets referred over, uh, we make sure that we enroll that person into our referral return program so that if they want to buy or sell in the future, that those things get sent back to the agent that referred that, that owner over. And so that's really important, I think, for us long-term as a business uh, is to continue to grow those relationships with those with those real estate agents and make sure that they're taken care of. Um, so another way we can we can partner too is um, uh, you know let's say you're you're a real estate agent that really just focuses on I don't know first time you know buyers uh, for you know primary residents and you don't have a lot of language around investing uh, you don't understand sort of that full process and whenever an uh, uh, an investor reaches out to you you want to help them but you're just not sure how. Uh, well, you can partner with us uh, and, and refer that person over to us, and we'll pay you a 25% referral fee plus $1,000 just to say thank you on the first one, and you don't have to do anything. We'll take, we'll take it from there. We'll take care of that, per, that, that, that investor. And then in the future, if they ever want to buy or sell a, a, in the future, we'll pay you 25% you know, indefinitely as long as you're a, a licensed real estate agent in the state of Iowa will we'll continue to pay you. So um, re- refer them over and do nothing. Um, and then the third way, uh, it's say, let's say you are, uh, you, you understand maybe the investment side a little bit and you, and, or you're interested, you know, in learning more about investment and you want to stay involved. You don't want to pass your client over. Um, you can stay their, their client um, uh, or they can stay your client. You can work uh, as their agent and then you, we can partner 50 50 and I'll just we'll just come in and be advisors in the process so we won't write any deals <clears throat> we won't we won't you know show properties that kind of stuff but we'll be your your advisor you know in in your corner to help your client and we can do that as many times as you want in the future or if you want you know they'll obviously they'll get re- uh, um, enrolled in our referral or pro- uh, return program as well so uh, again, we just want to make sure that we have lots of options for agents that, that they feel comfortable working with us. Too. Well, it's a delicate balance, right? And mm-hmm. you work hard to build a relationship with the client and down the line, there could be a ton of business. So it's, it's great that you've got various options. Um, it, it does seem like a lot of agents will want to do the 50, 50 thing just because they want to be involved. But I would, uh, I would imagine there's a lot of circumstances where it's probably just smarter to refer the client. A 25% perpetual referral fee 
is the second option you were talking. And did you say plus a thousand on the first one? That's on like a bonus. One. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, I think that's great. Uh, you're probably going to work pretty hard to make sure we remember that with all these clients down the mm -hmm. line to make sure that those relationships are, are key. But I think you guys focusing on protecting realtor relationships is prudent. Yes, we agree for yeah. sure. Um, okay. Well, that's super helpful. Um, uh, I'll let you guys take this home. Is there anything else that our team should know either about what you're doing or the value that you could provide them in their businesses as they work with investors or, or even by themselves? I think I'd just say, uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to be, uh, in their corner. We want to be in the agent's corner. So, um, you know, think of us as a resource and, you know, we've talked a lot about the consultative advisory side of what we do, uh, and not so much about like the, the actual transaction itself. And so, um, that's kind of where we uh, enjoy being, I mm -hmm. think, in this space too. So even if that's with working with agents that are interested in investing themselves, you know, I find a lot of times um, uh, it's hard to ask, uh, you know, someone else for information that maybe you feel like you should know because you're like in the real estate mm -hmm. space. But, you know, I always tell people there's, there's no question that's too dumb. Uh, just I love, I love talking about this too. So again... We want to be a resource. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're in it for the relationships with these people as well, too. So we want to help agents with their own investment. And their you know, agents are some of the perfect people to be able to buy and invest into real estate. And, of course, we want to help them represent their clients and want those agents to look awesome in the process. So it's not, you know, them against us. It's we're together um, mo moving forward, you know, in this space. That's great. Yeah, I would say on the... Um on the adding doors to RPM Iowa front as well is that if you are a current agent that you have your own investment properties, uh, we try to be super cost effective for you to make that a transition that you can feel comfortable with. Um, give you some of your time back. If you're spending half your time leasing your own investment properties that you have under your portfolio, rather than, rather than serving the clients, you know, that you have that may want to buy, let us, let us take that burden from you and we'll, and we'll be super cost effective in the way we do it to make sure that you're still getting the returns that you're don't, hoping don't for. Don't we have like a friends and family discount for we realtors? Sure, we sure do. Inside of our team? We sure do. Okay. Come uh, shoot me an email. Give me a call. And we can talk <clears throat> about that. I'll include your guys's contact info in the show notes here for people to have that. But uh, I mean, this was super helpful. I, I feel like there's, I mean, this was pretty high level. I feel like there's some areas of this that you could really dig into if you wanted to, but I, you know, I suppose that's what you're here for, right? <laughs> um, so open door. If these guys have questions, they can reach out to either of you. Absolutely. Um, and best way to do that email, text, yep. cell phone. Yeah. Email, text, cell phone. If you ever find yourself uh, for the time being here in the Ankeny office. Uh, that's where you are. That's where we are. For so, now. For now. Yep. Yeah. I know you guys are actively hunting for a new home. Yes, we are. <laughs> I know there's some options on the table as well. So. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, listen, super helpful. Uh, thanks for being a resource and answering questions. And what you guys do is a pretty fun little niche. It's yes. a fun opportunity, not just because you've got people... Um, entering into a new space or well, just real estate investment is fun, right? There's a lot there to that, but man, I, I think doing something that you really actually believe in. So I'm, I, I don't do this because uh, I'm stuck doing it. I do this because I really believe in the product that we sell. It's a remarkable space and so grateful to have stumbled into real estate and to have real estate investments. And so to 
pass that on to others. No one's going to look back 20 years from now and regret jumping into that boat. So I think it's fun that you get to do that for a living. Yeah, that's the truth. Okay, well, um, thank you guys. It's, thank you. It's Monday midday. We've probably got a big week ahead of us. So Always. Appreciate, appreciate Always. Your time. Good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.